the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. When I don't understand the way that you lead and my fear tries to say no one cares it's then that you whisper with heaven's sweet love and tell me forever you're there and tell me forever Through trials and testings, my heart would believe I've lost touch with mercy. Why would God receive such a flawed sinking vessel to have for his own to share in his glory? Come to his throne When I don't understand The way that you lead And my fear tries to say No one cares It's there that you whisper With heaven's sweet love And tell me forever you're there And tell me forever you're there It's his blood that has saved me And called me to peace By his spirit I'm quickened And I'm given release From weakness to glory By His life within I'm free from dominion And power of sin So lead me, dear Jesus To where I I can't go. Give strength I've never had so that others might know. You call not the righteous but the weak for your own to pass through the veil and inherit 
when I don't understand the way that you lead, and my fear tries to say no one cares. It's then that you whisper with heaven's sweet love and tell me. Forever, you're there, and tell me, forever, you're there, and tell me, forever, you're sermon is pre-recorded. The message tonight is entitled, The Journey is My Life. The Journey is My Life. Oh Lord, you've called me to a journey. I thank you that you've not called me to journey alone. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who've been called to journey together on the highway to heaven. Lord, open this subject for us tonight. Let us see the truth of it. Quicken it by your spirit now. I pray in your holy name. Amen. He was an artisan, a craftsman. He worked in stone and wood. I'm sure if you had looked at his hands, they would have been calloused with blunted fingers and probably some scars on them. He was a good man. He was a a righteous man. He walked holy before God. His wife had died, he had children. He needed another wife. He saw this pretty girl. His heart was drawn to her. I'm sure he prayed about her. I'm sure he asked the Lord if if he would open the way for him to have Mary as his wife. And then he offered the proposal. And no doubt her heart had been attracted to him. She accepted the proposal. Now he was going to have a wife for his family, for his children. He was going to have a homemaker. Now he could focus full attention on providing for the family. In fact, there was a large building project not far from his home. The Romans were building a great arena for sporting events, for community life. A place where the foreign deities would be worshipped. He was happy. He was content. 
He was getting his home ready. He was looking forward to the marriage week. He was working hard to get enough money to be able to pay for the party. He was working hard to get enough money put aside to pay the full bride price. Then he heard that she was pregnant. And his heart was crushed. Lord, how is it possible? I can see him walking around with his head draped with his shawl. With his hands lifted up, weeping before the Lord. How is it possible that this sweet young woman would betray my love? How is it possible, O God? How does a man bear this? His heart was utterly crushed. But he loved her. So the Bible says that he decided to put her away quietly so as not to cause embarrassment for her. But all the family knew about it. In fact, the whole town of Nazareth knew about it. Gossip spreads very quickly. And then God came with an angel to his bedroom. Do you know how your heart rises up and it says, I can't take one more blow. I just need some peace and quiet here. I have plans. And my plans do not include confusion. My plans are not for any drama. Do you ever like to just get up and put on relaxed clothes and listen to a little music and read the word and have a nice breakfast together and not listen to the radio, not listen quiet, have the phones all turned off? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, this is Matthew, the first chapter. Joseph, son of David. Suddenly, God wants Joseph to know who he is. It makes a difference how we respond to God. If we think we're just some individual by ourselves, then we can choose how we'll respond to God. So God tells us who we are in order to help us know how to respond. Joseph, son of David, not son of King David, Because the sons would not call David king. They'd call him daddy. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Talk about your world turned upside down. Suddenly, Joseph is told 
that his wife-to-be is pregnant with Messiah, the hope of all the ages. And the angel is calling him son of David. Do you understand the way they did names in that day? Jesus' name was legally Jesus bar Joseph. Dad's name is your last name in that culture. So God is saying, you are a son of David. You are Joseph bar David. Your life's just been turned upside down. He immediately takes Mary, brings her home. She doesn't last very long. She runs to her cousin's place. And for three months, she's gone. I'm not surprised. Everybody in town is talking about her. And believe me, they're not buying into the Holy Spirit came over you and got you pregnant. They're saying, who'd you do it with? Is this baby Joseph's baby? Were you, were you out of line? Are you unholy? Are you unclean? Oh, the gossip mill went, and Mary just ran. She couldn't face it. She ran to her cousins. Three months she was there. Then direction comes that everyone has to go to the town that they were born in, to be registered for the taxes. Rome wants the tax money. And they want to do a census to make sure they're not missing any cash. And so they have to go to Bethlehem. Joseph has expenses. Probably he did not pay the bride price because she came pregnant. He may have. We don't know. The scriptures don't tell us. Try to understand what's going on in Joseph's heart. Everything he so carefully planned. He is an artisan. He plans everything. He draws out a schematic of what he's going to do. He does a blueprint. He follows the blueprint. He's a a step-by-step sequential kind of man. He's not used to a bomb going off in his life. He's not used to having everything suddenly shift and go another direction. He's a man of regiment and discipline. Now here he is going to Bethlehem, and probably that was the money he had put back for the wedding feast. He had to farm out his kids. There was James. There was... the half-brothers of Jesus. He had to place them somewhere. He had to make arrangements for them. And he goes to Bethlehem. We're told that when he got to Bethlehem, it was already very, very crowded. They went on a donkey. He walking, leading the donkey, and she's riding, very much pregnant. Now, coming to that 
crucial time of delivery. They arrive in town and they go to the hotel. Now, you understand what a hotel was in those days. It was not a, an enclosed building. It was a courtyard with a high fence around it. And that courtyard then was divided into little cubicles so you would have a wall jutting out, facing into the courtyard, and you rented one of those little cubicles. And they would have a common fire in the middle where they would be preparing the food out of doors. There was no room for them at the inn. Every bit of space was taken. You understand why the fence was there. That was to provide safety from marauding robbers. There was no place of safety for them. And she was having her baby. And I'm sure Joseph tried everything he could to get them a place. And there was no place. And I'm sure in his heart he's saying, what am I doing? What am I doing? I have a woman that an angel has told me is Messiah in a womb. And I can't even afford a place for her to have her baby. Finally, a woman somewhere had compassion on this dear Mary and said, look, we'll clean out the stable and we'll put fresh straw in the manger. So they went to a cave that was being used as a stable where the animals were kept. This was no Hilton Hotel. This was no Potomac Hospital. This was not a sanitary place. I can't think of a place I would less want my wife to have a baby than in a, a stall, in a barn, where the cattle are watching. And the livestock smell is overwhelming. Oh, it's wonderful when you go to the farm and you just get the whiff. But to have a baby in it. She delivers the child. Joseph is a very resourceful person. Probably he found a job. And he was able to move Mary and the new child to a house. Oh, but not before the shepherds came. Isn't it fitting that God would first show up and tell the shepherds after Jesus had been born in a manger. Oh, and by the way, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. You know what swaddling clothes are? The closest we would have to it is gunny sack sheets. A rough fabric, not silk, not even nice soft cotton probably made from flax. Jesus is wrapped in this. They're able to move to the house. The house perhaps is furnished. Of course, what it would be furnished with would be a few mats to lay down on the floor, the hard tile or clay floor, probably in their case a clay floor, a dirt floor that swept clean. They would have a hearth for a fire. And they would perhaps have a little place, a pool, for washings, for bathing. 
that would really be all the furniture they would have. They would sit on the floor. It's in this place that the Lord God of heaven finally decides now they need some provision. See, God always pays for what he orders, but he seldom pays when we think it's due. He always does it on his schedule. So here is Joseph. He's had his life totally disrupted. Every dream that he had has been crashed. Now he's taken the woman he loves, that God has told him has a baby by God. There is never an indication in Scripture that he questions this word of God. Now he has to take her to Bethlehem. Off they go to Bethlehem. And there's no place for the baby and there's no place for mama. But a house opens up. Probably a job opened up. And now they're waiting on God. Do you suppose Mary said to Joseph, how are we going to survive? How are we going to pay rent? Can we go back home? What's going to happen to us? What is this baby that I've given birth to? Such a beautiful baby, but what's going to become of us? They journey all the way from Bethlehem into Jerusalem at the appropriate time to offer the sacrifice of a turtle dove. They have the baby Jesus appropriately circumcised. They're doing everything they're supposed to be doing, but what are they doing it on? They have very little resource. But what marks Joseph's life is immediate obedience to the word of God. No rebellion in Joseph's heart. He goes on the journey that will be the rest of his life. Life will never again become normal for Joseph. Now we find Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. We've come to worship him. They're told in Bethlehem in Judea. They follow the star. It stops over the house. They come to the house. And we're told in Matthew, the second chapter, the 11th verse, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And then having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Uh Uh-oh. Another angel showed up in Joseph's bedroom. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph said, I can sleep a little bit more, and he rolled over in bed, hit the snooze button, said, I'll leave at six. No. The word says he got up, 
took the child and his mother and during the night left for Egypt. And there he stayed until the death of Herod. How did he stay in Egypt? Egypt was a very sophisticated place. Well, he was financed by God. He was traveling on God's credit card. He had the hard cash, gold cash in his pocket. He had the incense and the myrrh. He he had what was necessary to trade and do business because he was taking care of the king's kid. Isn't that awesome? awesome. Finally, the word of God came once more in a dream in the bedroom. Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up. He did not roll over and hit the snooze button. He didn't say, I need 30 more minutes of sleep. (laughs) He didn't say, why are you showing up here at 2.30 in the morning? He got up, got dressed, took the child and his mother, and they're on their way to the land of Israel. I love Joseph. Joseph is one of my favorite people in all of Scripture. He is an unsung hero. He was willing to take the headship of a family to raise the son of the living God. There was no rebellion found in his heart. He was on a journey that he had not chosen. God had chosen him. Did you know you've not chosen this journey? God chose you for the journey. And there are many who can go out and do all the things of the world, but you cannot because you were chosen by God for a journey. So let's give up all the illusions. There's no snooze button to hit in God's journey. There's just, yes, sir, I'm on my way. Obviously, if this is the Son of God, the place to raise him is Jerusalem. And so they headed for Jerusalem. But then when he found out that Herod's son was ruling there, he was frightened. He was afraid to go there. So once more, the angel showed up in the bedroom. And he was told to go to a town called Nazareth. That was where they came from. It was a little backwater town without much social advantage. No prophet ever came from Nazareth. Prophets come from Jerusalem, not from Nazareth. He went to Nazareth. He opened up his shop again, probably taking the very last money from the gold and the incense and the myrrh. And now all he has to do is raise God in righteousness. (laughs) How do you do that? That's not in human wisdom. We have no experience with raising God in righteousness. But the Holy Spirit had experience. 
and the Holy Spirit was Jesus' teacher. Now, some very unusual things occurred. Most children in Nazareth would not have learned how to read the scriptures. Most of them were day laborers. They did everything they could for this Jesus. Now, let's talk about you and me. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians, the third chapter, I'll begin reading with verse 4. Though I myself have reason for such confidence, if anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Paul had his life all planned out. He was going to be somebody. He was going to be one of the great Jewish sages. They were going to respect the name of Saul of Tarsus. And then suddenly he was knocked off his horse. He was knocked off his donkey. And he was assigned a journey. And that journey was his life. Tonight, have you come to terms? Have you made peace yet with the reality that your life is a journey? You have not arrived. You're not in a place to settle down. You may have no place to lay your head. You are on call. You are on orders. You are not your own. You were bought. Whatever wisdom I profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. All personal ambition laid aside. All personal agendas laid aside. All personal goals laid aside. All desires for anything that I will create for myself laid aside. Why? Because I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey. I've been chosen for a journey. I didn't choose it. It was chosen for me. I was called and assigned this journey. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and to be found in him. Have you lost everything yet for Jesus Christ? Anything that you have that you have not lost for Jesus Christ, you need to lose it quickly. Because it stands in the way of your journey. If your desire for something is still in your heart, if you desire the house, if you desire the new car, if you desire the job, if you desire this, if, whatever it is you desire, lay it aside. God pays for what he orders. You need the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh to pay your way on the journey that God has assigned you. And he may use Verizon to pay the gold. He may use NIH to pay the gold. Whatever he uses to pay the gold is all right, but you're on a journey, and God will pay your way, but you have to make the determination that I have lost everything. Wife, husband, children. Everything has to be released into the hand of God. You have to travel light. You may have only a day pack on your back. Do you know what's in a day pack? 
a little water, a little food, maybe an extra change of clothes, maybe even an extra pair of shoes, certainly not three or four purses. It's a backpack, just a little day pack. You travel light. Some of you, even yet tonight, are traveling so heavy. You're so burdened down. Why are you so burdened down? Because you've not counted as lost everything that's grabbing a hold of you. Release it. Let it go. Recognize the journey you're called to go on. Don't let these things hinder you in the journey toward heaven. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not having a righteousness that I have taken care of myself, not by discipline and hard work, a righteousness that is by faith as a gift from Jesus by the divine influence of the Holy Spirit but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Are you clear about this in your heart? Are you clear that you're counting as lost having someone like you? Having someone approve of you? Are you willing to count as lost what you've been trying to put away to take care of yourself? Are you willing to count as lost your dreams? Do you find yourself growing despondent and discouraged because things aren't working out the way you thought they ought to work out? Your dream isn't happening. By now you thought you'd already be or you'd already have or you'd already something. So your heart begins to be heavy laden. You begin to be discouraged. And you say, God's not fair and this is a miserable journey. That says, you haven't counted as lost those things. They still have a hold of your heart. Count as lost all of those things that I haven't accomplished in the past. Count as lost all of the things I want to accomplish in the future. All the approval that I've been seeking, all of the love that I've desired. Count it all as lost. Let it go. God will come and talk to you in your bedroom. And you may not like what he says. But it'll be clear direction. It'll be, Mary, that one. That one, God? That's not the one I wanted. Leave that job. What? What? Look, I'm surviving here, God. Isn't this about survival? No, this is about God, who will send the magi, who will give you the resources to go where he tells you to go, if you'll simply obey his commands. He may tell you, stay in that job. Keep doing what you're doing. God, I'm tired of 
paddling this boat. I'm tired of being treated this way. I am worth a lot more than this. You know, why should I have to put up with this pagan culture every day? Why should I be troubled every day? Are you getting an attitude about it? Then you're not counting it as a loss. You know what it means to count something as a loss? It means you can never collect. Write it off. Write it off. It's gone. You've lost it. It's not yours. Let's be clear. There is only one thing that is ours, and that is the journey toward heaven. That's ours. And the journey is funded by Jesus. So if you're not traveling in the style to which you would like to become accustomed, talk with Jesus. He's the one who orders the transportation. I, I just hear in the spirit to press the issue tonight. I see depression on some of your faces. I see anguish on some of your faces. I know what that comes from. It comes from still being in charge of your life and things not working out the way you thought they ought to work out. And you're mad about it. Count it as a loss. Write it off. If your eyes are on Jesus and you're knowing Jesus, you understand that word knowing means the very height of interconnected intimacy. If you're knowing Jesus, then count all of that stuff as loss. And enter into the sufferings of Jesus in the hope that you, would be enter, that you would be able to enter into his resurrection. He continues, Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. Now that word does not mean that Paul is still walking in sin. This word perfect in the Greek means completely mature. He's not talking about sin. He's saying, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfectly mature. There is no promise in Scripture that we will be made perfectly mature this side of heaven. It takes some of us longer to grow up than others. But there is certainly no reason for sin this side of heaven. That's just rebellion. I press on. That word press, it's like an oxen that is pulling a heavy load. It's not a quick flash and then it's over. It's I press on. I, I pull steady, consistent, Without stopping, I put all that I have into that pressing on 
to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So he's saying, there's a journey. I'm on the journey. God put me on this journey. This journey is my life. And now I'm trying to get a hold of the journey. I'm trying to get a hold of this thing that God has called me to. So when I'm out, I'm passing 7-Eleven. And inside I'm hearing, go in and get that Slurpee. I'm on a journey. And the journey does not include 7-Eleven Slurpees. So you're pressing into Jesus to get a hold of the journey for which he's already gotten a hold of you, that he set your feet down the path, and now you're trying to get a hold of the journey too. It could be that it's depression or discouragement. Bitterness or anger. And you have to decide if you're going to count that as loss or if you're going to get a hold of the journey that you've been called the journey on. Have you ever seen a dog? First time he's on a choke chain. And, and he doesn't want to go. And he sets his feet. Just puts them in lock. And whoever's walking says, no, you're going to come with me. Keeps walking. And the dog's feet are set. And he's being pulled. And his neck is outstretched. I hate to tell you, but that's very much a picture that sometimes God has had to do with me. Because I've said, I'm going to set my feet here. And he said, no, you're not going to set your feet there, Ray. We're going to walk together. I've got to get a hold of the journey that God's got me on. I've got to understand my part to walk beside my master. To not fight him. To not argue with him. To not disagree with him. Not to complain about the journey. But to walk high-stepping. Full of praise and glory for his name. Thanking him for the privilege of walking beside him. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Jesus Christ took a hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Will you journey with Jesus? Will you get a hold of that journey and count as loss everything but the journey? You understand now, there's no such thing for a Christian as a normal life. How many times I've stood putting my arms around Jan and with tears have said to her in the past, sweetie, if only we could go back to a normal life. There is no longer a normal life for us. We have now gone too far to turn back. I'd lose my way. I couldn't find my way through all the twists and turns that I've come. Now I want something different. Now I want heaven's table. 
now my eye is on the table that is spread for me. Now I want the cup overflowing. Now I want the still pas- the still water and the green pastures. Oh, I'm still a racehorse. That's why he has to put a choke chain on me. And say, no, 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 slow it down, pull back. Let me tell you, the bit and the bridle. We don't like bits and bridles. We don't like anything to slow us down or stop us. The question is, whose journey are you on? Are you on your journey? Or are you on Jesus' journey? This has to be really clear in our minds or we'll become very confused. And other people will come into our life and they'll say things to us. They'll even prophesy over us. Jesus said at the end of time, there would be those who would say, demons got cast out. Wonderful miracles happened. And Jesus says, depart from me. I don't know who you are. You worker of iniquity. See, it's not about all of that stuff out there. It's about being faithful on the journey with Jesus. Sold out. Counting as loss everything of the normal American life. So that when I go to sleep at night, my thoughts are on Jesus. When I waken, my thoughts are on Jesus. Throughout the day, I'm crying and reaching out to Jesus. He is my heart's desire. Everything else I count for loss. It's he and he alone who's captured my heart. Oh God, would you do this in our hearts? Come unveil our hearts, Lord. Make it plain to us where we are. And make plain your call on our life to this journey toward heaven. Lord, make us like Joseph, stalwart, faithful, instant obedience, no hesitation, responsible before you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just miss for
Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, P.O. Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. To keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless. Before the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord.
Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.